Welcome to The Entrepreneur's Journey, where Michael Pelosi leads discussions with successful entrepreneurs to learn about their journey of starting, building, and eventually selling their business or transitioning into the next generation. The goal is to allow you to learn from their knowledge, experience, and wisdom as you pursue that in your own business. Michael Pelosi is the president of HFM Investment Advisors, LLC, and brings over 30 years of experience working with business owners to organize and manage their business and personal financial plans to help them define and realize their personal version of success in their lives and businesses. Hello, I'm Michael Pelosi, president of HFM Advisors in Glassboro, New Jersey. Welcome to another episode of our podcast where we interview successful entrepreneurs who have either sold their business or have successfully passed their business down to the next generation within their family. My guest today is Tom Balea of Balea Enterprises located in Woodbury, New Jersey. Balea Enterprises is a third-generation family-owned business that was founded in 1973 by Tom's parents, Sal and Nancy Balea. At that time, Sal and Nancy purchased a small printing company in Woodbury where they offered printing services and sold office supplies to the residents and small businesses in the community. When Tom and his older brother Anthony joined their parents, they continued to build and expand Balea throughout the 80s and 90s, where they eventually founded their next division, Balea Office Furniture. What's unique about Tom's story is how he and his brother Anthony were able to successfully transfer their ownership to the third generation of Baleas, which less than only 8% of all family-owned businesses in the U.S. are able to successfully pull off. Balea Enterprises is currently run by the third-generation grandsons, Anthony Jr., Michael, and Andrew. Welcome this morning, Tom. Thank you, Michael. This is great. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. One of the things that I like to get started is a little fun fact before we talk about your unique situation where we're not only talking about two generations, we're talking about three generations right. of families, which again is very, very unique working with family-owned businesses that's against all odds. But I know a little fun fact between you and your brother, Anthony, I think you start a little business on the side. Well, tell us a little bit about that oh, business. Oh, yeah. So we're, thank you again for inviting me. You're welcome. We are of Italian tradition. Mm-hmm. And Anthony and I have enjoyed drinking wine together over the years. So we decided to try to make some wine a few years ago. We asked an older gentleman that we knew who was making wine in his basement to teach us how to do it. And after one or two years of messing things up, (laughs) we started to get it right. So my cousin Mike joined us making the wine. And we've been doing it ever since 2000, roughly 2002, 2003, we started. So we've gone from a small section in my brother's garage to a larger section, then took over the whole garage and then moved it to my house for a little while. And then now we have a a little winery down off of Route 40 in Elmer. (laughs) And we make a lot of wine these days. So nice, a lot nice. Of fun. Yeah. I had a couple of bottles of your wine and they were tremendous. Thank yeah, you. they were Thank great. You. What's your favorite grape that you've either enjoyed or you've made over the years? Uh, yeah, we enjoy the Barbera during the summer. Mm-hmm. The Zinfandels are really turning out well. And the Carmignate grape is wonderful. Nice. Some of our favorites. You know, you never know what you're going to get. It's a little bit of art and a little bit of science. Yeah. My brother is really has perfected his combination of art and science and making the wine. So he's really, he's taking the lead on it. That's so, great. Yeah, he's doing a great job. Ever going to go into more than just enjoying it? Ever going to go into sales? No, we don't want to get in that much work. <laughs> We're retired you. and right. we enjoy making a little bit of wine. 
you know, who knows what happens in the future. But That's for great. right now, we're just we're just having fun. And it's a way for our family to get together. Sure. We have a large family. I'm, we're one of five children. So my brothers and sisters, we all are nephews and nieces and my cousins mm-hmm. all join us to make the wine. So Great family tradition. Yeah. 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 Make it twice a year. We make it in September, the grapes from California. And then when the grapes come from Chile in May, we make it in May. Nice. So great. Nice. Great tradition. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for Thanks sharing for that. Yeah. Yeah. So we are talking about family generation and succession planning. Of course, again, this is unique. You're the second generation. You've made it to the third Give me a little history of how mom and dad started this business. Right. My dad was a printer originally in World War II. And my mother has been a, a homemaker ever since, you know, they got married and, and had children. My father worked in Philadelphia, came originally from Brooklyn. We were all originally from Brooklyn, New York, and was a foreman for a printing company, a large printing company of Philadelphia. A friend of his asked if he would join him in a small printing company in Philly, they worked together for five years and owned a small business. Eventually, he had sons. My father had sons. So they wanted to split the business. And then my mother and father found this little place here in Woodbury. We're from Northeast Philadelphia. Okay. And they found this little place in Woodbury. And we, we used to travel back and forth for the first five years until, until we started all individually moving here separately. Right. And my brother... He started with them in 1973. He was working at Wanamaker's, John Wanamaker's in Philadelphia as a buyer. And I was a student at Drexel University, working co-op, and I graduated. And my dad said, come on and join the business. <laughs> 1970, it was late 1974. So I decided to do that. That's so, great. And we never looked back. That's great. I said, six months and give it a try. <laughs> so my brother and I started, you know, I guess you could say we each took our strengths and build upon their strengths. So my brother loved to be on the outside, loved to sell. You've met Anthony. Yep. He's a great salesman. Absolutely. And me, I'm more on the inside guy, mm-hmm. more of the financial. That's what I studied at Drexel. Right. And then and operations, just stuff that I love. Mm-hmm. So he took off that way. I took off the inside. And it worked out because we didn't have to look over each other's shoulders. He was bringing the business in. And I was, you know, I was making sure that it was done right on on the inside. Great partnership that that way. Yeah, that combination of the two turned out to be really successful for us. About 19, and we were selling printing and we built the office supply business. We started opening retail stores. We opened one of, our first one was in Pittman, New Jersey, then Glassboro, Washington Township, Medford. Then we went to Philadelphia. In the early 90s, Staples and Office Depot came about. And then we started shrinking because- They were opening them up right across the street from where we were located. <laughs> so Nice uh, model. So, yeah. So, we concentrated that on- That is a compliment. You know that. Really? That's Why? a compliment because they're, <laughs> they're trying to take all your, your oh, successful yeah. model. <laughs> <laughs> so, the office supply industry went from roughly 13,000 retail stores in the United States. Everybody you know knew of an office supply retail store. Within 10 years to roughly 3,000. Retail office supply stores. And we had survived because we still had two. We recently closed the second one in Glassboro just as the pandemic hit. Sure. And I think it was a good decision in, sure. in retrospect. And now they're, you know, just operating out of the one store and focused, our printing company focused on digital printing and right out of the one location and, and they're doing, doing pretty well. The office furniture business actually grew to be larger than our office supply printing okay. business. And specialize in high-end, for the most part, high-end office furniture. But, you know, still desk and chair and, and office, small office furniture, we're doing that also. Yeah. 
But we've aligned with one major manufacturer, a company called Hayworth, mm. which is one of the largest, I guess, three or four office furniture manufacturers in the world. And so they, they've specialized in dealerships similar to ourselves. So right. you had to be an authorized dealer to sell their products. And we're one of, I think, four or five in the Philadelphia region. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, thanks for that history. Yeah. We're going to focus, or I'm going to focus mostly on your succession between you and Anthony and each of your sons. But I know that generational transfer in the olden days, maybe from your parents to you and your brother, that usually happens a little bit different than in today's world. So maybe give me a little bit of background of how that went from, you know, your dad to you and your brother, and we'll trend, we'll kind of also relate that to how it happened with your sons too. So my father, being a strong Italian male, just knew what he wanted from day one. And he wanted to start a business. In fact, he named it Salvatore Espalia and Sons Incorporated. So I have three sisters also. And, you know, we were not sure what the result of that was going to be. <laughs> so he had decided from day one that he was going to work with my brother and I. And because of the nature of, I guess, daughters and marrying, you know, men, he wanted to keep the business close to the family. Sure. And so he decided that the business was going to go to my brother and I. And all his personal wealth, his inheritance, his death would go to my sisters. And that's well, actually the out. way it worked. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was very simple. And, sure. you know, he was a gut simple guy. I mean, yeah. he, you know, he ran the business from gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it worked out that way. And I think everybody was happy in the end. I'm not sure. But <laughs> my brother, so my brother and I, yeah, we worked, you know, built the business. Two of my sisters still work in the business. Right. And yeah. Anthony and I are out. My other sister, Kathy, moved down to South Carolina, and she's a, you know, she was a nurse. So over the years, we've had, I can't tell you how many family members have worked in our business. I wow. guess almost every grandchild of my father and cousins all worked together over the years. That's great. So it's been a good way to keep our family together. That's great. So talking about family members joining, so give me a little background on the timing and the thought process when your sons and your nephews decided to hey, maybe we should have them work in the business, that transition. And did you have them work outside the business first to get some experience? Because I know that's a common trait. Some family businesses are very strong that we want to start them right in the family business or like to get some outside experience. Right. So we work with a company called Delaware Valley Family Business Planning Center. And what they do is they try to help small family businesses put structure to their organization, to their succession process, and also to their management team. Mm -hmm. One of their concepts, one of their ideas is that the children who come into the business, whether they be nieces, nephews, any family members, that you build a plan for those children to come into the business. A lot of companies require their children or any family members to work two or three years at least outside the business and to be promoted in that profession at least twice before they'll come into the business. Wow. A lot of them require a college education from the children, mm-hmm. but obviously college is not right for everybody. Sure. So part of our process has been, so we've taken that on. We've taken that idea and that concept. So I'll go through the line. My nephew, Anthony, who my brother, Anthony's son, was a financial planner, right? right? Yep. Passed his tests. But he decided that wasn't for him, so he wanted to come into the business, and he came in in a sales position. My son, Andrew, has been working in our business since, since right out of high school. Okay. And worked you know, in the warehouses, worked 
delivering product work in the retail stores. So he's done a little bit of everything. Right. For him, it was just a natural transition to stay on to the business, and we never required him to go outside. My son, Michael, has a accounting degree, worked mm-hmm. for a major county firm in the Philadelphia region for, I think, five years prior to coming to us, had received those promotions. And when we were looking for a controller, came out of the clear blue sky, and he said, wow. you know, how about me? So, yeah, so that worked out really well. My nephew, Sal, actually worked in the wine business in Napa Valley and decided that he wanted to try to give it a shot. So he came on board. He was right at the University of Pittsburgh. So we've had a quite interesting process (laughs) all throughout the years. You know, that's the way it's worked out. That's great. Yeah. No, that works great. So running any small business in today's environment, it takes a lot to either start your business, maintain it, become profitable let alone having a partner in the business, right? That's usually tough to have. It makes it a little more challenging even to have family member as a partner, right? So what would you say is unique between you and your brother, Anthony, that have not only received the ownership from your father, ran this successful business for 40 years, the two of you, and then were able to transfer it to the next generation, third generation? So that started day one with my parents, Everybody understood that our family came first. Mm -hmm. We were never going to let family get in the way of business. And when we greet each other, we kiss each other. We're a very emotional family. But when we go to work, we say hello, you know, kiss my dad in the morning when we go to work. And we've kept that tradition from day one. So while we're at work, it's business. Mm -hmm. We don't bring business home. We leave it at the office. Yeah, it's tough to do. That's very very tough to do, right? Leave your emotions at the office. But when, for the most part, when we close the door at night all over these years, it's been business is left in at the office. Sure, sure. That has to be tough because, you know, you're thinking about it. What happened, you know, during the day with this client? Did you follow up with this? I'm sure that's very difficult. Yeah. So we've carried that through to our sons and our children and grandchildren. And so far it's worked. I mean, pretty well. It's worked pretty Any well. Any point in that 40 years between you and Anthony, you're like, I love you, Anthony, but I'm out of here type of situation ever any. Anthony and I had a unique working situation. Like I said, we complimented each other. Yeah. So it really worked. We worked closely with each other every day, but he had his strong points and he, you know, he worked them every day. Yeah. So he was on the outside. I was on the inside. You know, it just worked. I don't know how it worked, but That's it, great. it did. And as far as my parents are concerned, the older that they got, even though they continued staying in the office, everybody had their duties and responsibilities, and everybody just did those. It sounded like everybody stayed in their own lane, and they yeah. were, you know, did what you love to do, your unique yeah. ability, and that's what was successful. So my dad, that. over the years, when he got to be in his 70s, he said, you know, we're, I want to be at the office. So he came in every day. He would open the mail. He'd do what he wanted to do. Yeah. Said hello, you know, to everybody in the morning. And he was just kind of watching what was going on. And if you saw something, my mother the same way. If she saw something, she let, she you, let know. you know. Yeah, she, she let, you, let know. you know. Believe me, definitely, yeah. definitely. So we try to ingrain that also in our children. And Anthony and I, since then, have we retired five years ago? We meet with our sons. We met with our sons once a month and then once a quarter. Now it's every six months that we're, sure, we meet. Sure. Yeah. So when did you and Anthony start to realize that? hey, maybe we should start thinking of pass it to the next generation. Because even today, as we sit here, you're young and vibrant and have lots of energy and probably have lots of great ideas if you were running the business on your own, right? So that's kind of unique to recognize that at an early stage, I would think, 
to bring in the next generation. So how did that whole start to come the transition and tell me the thought from your sons and your nephews, how they receive that? Right. The major manufacturer that we worked with, Hayworth Company, mm-hmm. realized their model is that they do their business with dealerships, similar to ourselves, like car dealers, like Ford with all their car dealers. Mm -hmm. Like Ford, the manufacturers really try to drive process through the dealerships. And our manufacturers, no different. They started to realize back in the early 2000s that their dealers were getting older. And a lot of them had no way to pass the business on to either their children or selling it through a process. So they brought in a company that actually dealt with the automobile industry, with all the dealers, and they developed a program for their dealers, for the Ford dealers and, you know, GM dealers to either create a succession plan for their children or to start to transition out of their business and to, in effect, create an exit strategy for their business. So they always say, don't get into business unless you have a plan to get out of business, right? And we've learned that in the past, and that's really true. And at some point, everybody's going to exit a business, their business. So that got us starting to think. We went on a two-day seminar and came back and said, you know, we really ought to start thinking about that process. And it wasn't until about a year. So at that point, we contacted Delaware Valley Family Business Planning Center. We started working a little bit with them. And then about two years later, a friend of ours that, that had been a consultant in the office furniture industry He's an attorney. He was an accountant. He, he decided he was going to retire. He was chairman of the board of an organization that we belong to. And he was going to consult just with four or five different companies. So he called me one day. He said, I can help you. And I said, <laughs> well, what do you mean you can help me? He said, I know your sons are in the business. And I know, you know, you and Anthony got to start thinking about exiting the business. Let me help you. Do you need help? And I said, no, I don't need help. <laughs> We're fine just said, the way we are. Well, yeah, he, He's a good old boy, and he says, I'm coming up to see you. <laughs> so he came from Alabama you know, wow. and came from Birmingham. So he took a flight. We met him. We met with him for two days, and we hired him. How about that? And he created a transition process for us. And at that point, we had four of our sons in the business. Mm-hmm. And so what we did, in effect, is sat down, and he interviewed everybody individually, evaluated the strengths and weaknesses of each one of our sons, and Anthony and I also, and what we were doing and what we needed to transition. And what, in effect, we did was create a gap program. So we said to my son, Mike, Mike, you're in the financial part of our business. What is it that you need to grow this business in the area that you're working in? And he came to me and said, what is it that you want to see your son do? So I said, well, that's a great question. But one of the things, main things I, I said was, I want to see my son get a master's degree in, in business. So we created, and my son agreed, and we created that as Excellent. part of the GAP program. Sure. And over the next two-year period, you know, through night classes and whatever, Mike got his master's degree. Excellent. Yeah, excellent. So that really worked. I mean, and we mm-hmm. took each one of our sons and took them through that process. And as well, Anthony and I and just regarded, so, okay, so what do you do on a daily basis that you're going to need to transition over? And for me, it was, you know, monthly financial reporting, that type of thing. So, you know, we took that and we said, all right, so how are you going to transition that and when? Right. Give me a date. So he started really pinning us down. Mm -hmm. And then for Anthony and I, again, he looked at it and said, okay, once you're done this, what are you going to do? (laughs) What are you going to do with your time? How are you going to transition? Right. 
So we've developed a plan for all six of us. I think what he was saying, in other words, is how are you getting out of the way? How are you getting out of the way? Exactly. <laughs> right? So, and we had to pick a time when the transition was completed. And with one of my sons, it was just, I felt that he wasn't ready yet to go. So mm-hmm. Anthony was out and I just said, you know, we talked and we said, you know, another few months. And I said, mm-hmm. another few months. Well, within that few month period of time, he started working around me and uh, he was working faster. You know, they're smarter than me. Right. Are. Of course. I, and, I feel it. And I hopefully was smart enough to get out of the way. And that's exactly what happened. I did get out of the way and really took over. So, that's great. Now, yeah. how old were you and Anthony when you finally retired or passed on? I was 64. Anthony was 63. Yeah. In today's world, that's really young to retire. That's, yeah. that's a great accomplishment yeah. because usually as you want to hang on forever, it's your baby right? Afraid to let go. But from what you explained, it was a very well thought out process. You had buy-in from your sons and your nephews. So that worked out really well. And everyone took their role and they took it serious. And, yeah. you know, it seemed like they worked out perfect. Yeah. So we worked with our accountant. Mm-hmm. We worked with this gentleman who came in as a consultant. And we worked with a great family attorney out of Haddonfield, Art Padova, that helped us Excellent. create yeah. a transition process. We were an S-Corp. Mm-hmm. Our business was an S-Corp foundation. And we didn't have a partner's shareholders agreement. Okay. So we created a shareholders agreement, which explained the transition of shares from Anthony and I to our sons. So it worked out. That's great. Looking back, is there anything that you would have done differently? Wish you would have change something, you know, the way that that transition went? Did something better, regret it doing? Great question. Mm. Oh, there's always things that you can improve upon. I think for the most part, we were pretty successful in covering most of the areas that needed to be covered. They have transitioned and taken over very nicely. They're still working with the Delaware Valley Family Business Planning Center to create a corporate governance program that Anthony and I have been working on to bring our wives, all of our wives, in with the understanding what the transition process was and our son's wives. And it's just basically a program to keep everybody informed year-round about the major things going on within the business, financial-wise and also culture-wise in the business. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Most business owners don't take the time to work on the business. And it seems like you were very focused on that. And it seems like that has been very successful for not only growing the business, but successfully transferring it over. And that's, I think that's the key because this podcast is about not only learning and listening to your experiences and applauding them, which is great to go to the third generation, but also from the listening audience of what are these companies doing? How are they successful in getting it to the next generation? It seems like you have used your, you know, outside counsel, use your professional advisors, your accountant and your attorney, which is great. A lot of times business owners just kind of run and run and try and figure it out mm-hmm. on their own, which, mm-hmm. you know, we, it's, impossible. it's impossible to do. And a lot of times we see the founders of the company never wanting to let go of control. And you guys did that very successfully. Yeah, well, you know, there's life outside of that, that mm-hmm. business. And, yeah. you know, there's, I just, you know, the way I feel, there's just so many things that, we can do. And my brother and I haven't stopped. I mean, we still, we have another business that we, you know, that we- It's in your blood. Plus we, yeah, I mean, <laughs> plus we make the wine and, you right. know, and we own some buildings together in Gloucester County. And so that's kept us business and it's, sure. and it's kept us close. So we're still, yeah, we haven't, we haven't stopped. That's great. 
So what does ownership look like now? And how do you think your sons and nephews are running the business now differently and maybe have improved upon what you and Anthony did when you were running? Because it's a whole different generation. There's new technology. They're a lot more advanced the next generation than we were in terms of their thought process and availability. How are they running it differently? What's their viewpoint on that? So our office furniture business and our printing business has gone more towards social media and our marketing efforts over the years. And our printing business, they're putting more of it online and they something that they need to do. And upgrading our equipment to fully digital, brought in mail services where we do from graphic design concept all the way through to the final mailings. Mm-hmm. And our office furniture business, the pandemic has changed things dramatically. It's It's a great question because we have so many large companies that we've done business with that may not go back to the office or a certain percentage of them may not go back to the office. What we found is some of the companies are changing the way that their offices are set up because they're of social distancing or they're putting sections between panels, between, you know, individual desks when it was going more to an open system. So that's changed what our customers are looking at. And we work with our manufacturers to try to understand what those those changes in the office are all about. But even them at this point, they with all their research, everybody's still guessing, everybody's still understanding, trying to understand what it is that's going to happen. Right. But yet, business is brisk right now. Business is good. We do a lot of business with municipalities, Gloucester, Camden, sure. and they're coming back. And they're going to continue to come back. And I think personally, we need to be in the office. I think if you're in business, you need to be face-to-face with your coworkers, with your bosses. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to, you know, throw ideas around. And if you're just sitting in an office in your own home all day, you're missing it. Yeah. Yeah. You need that socialization. Yeah. So I think there's going to be a mix and we'll see what happens. Yeah. I I think the larger companies will have, it'll be shared space, maybe half home, half back in the office because you need that camaraderie. We've been back in the office for almost a year now and I don't know how you could do it without it. You just need that interaction. Definitely. So kind of looking towards the future, you and Anthony's role as you provide mentorship to your sons and nephews now that you're not owners, you're not really with them on a day-to-day basis, what would you say is the most valuable advice that you see or give to them from your experience now that they're fully running the business and things like that? One of the toughest parts of a family business is in the individual relationships, you know, and who's in charge, who's, you know, because when you own a business, at some point, somebody's got to make a decision, you know, about things, or otherwise you just don't grow. So when you have four cousins together mm-hmm. and each of them own half of the business, <laughs> it's difficult sometimes to make things happen. Yeah. We continue, and our consultant said to us, that's going to be the toughest challenge, is for those guys to be honest with each other, mm-hmm. for them to continually challenge each other, to continually meet once a week and explain to each one what each is doing. Every year we've Anthony and I instituted a strategy plan that we come up with every year. So we take seriously our business plan at the beginning of the year. We try to hold each other accountable for their piece of that business plan. And we have stressed to our sons to keep each other accountable. And that's the hardest part. Because, you know, if somebody doesn't do something, how do you hold them accountable? It's really a difficult thing. 
And it's something that they work on every day. Sure, sure. And that's probably never ever-growing, ever-changing process in today's world. It is. And Anthony and I have pretty much stayed out of that. We've given them the responsibility. They've taken it on. And we just try to make sure that they continue to hold each other accountable. Got it. So, Got it. Tough. I know. It's tough. Looking from the outside, of, if someone were to look at the Belia family, the legacies that you guys have created, what would someone look from the outside and say is the common thread or the common theme that weaves through your family it's our family yeah there you go <laughs> it's, it's our family that we from my mother and father that we've kept family first in our business and i think you know we've treated our children like that we treat our staff you know we can't talk enough about our staff we've mm-hmm. had some great people one gal that you know has mm-hmm. been with us colleen for i think she's going on her probably 40th year wow. or 35th year yeah, with us. And we had quite a few staff members like that yeah and she's retiring this year. Mm-hmm. So she's done a great job. I, I don't think I could have run the printing business without her sure. over the years. And she's really integral to our retail operations. But, you know, treating people like you want to be treated. Yep, you absolutely. Know, honestly yeah. and fairly. We don't make differentiation, hopefully anyway, between male and female, you know, with pay scales. And you got to treat people, you know, right. You got to treat them like you want to be treated. So. Exactly. And exactly. I think that's, that comes through, I think, in, in all of our staff. I would agree. Right. As a customer, as a friend, as, you know, as an associate. Absolutely. Well, good. This has been great. What I would like to leave with is, so now you have been retired for a while. What are some of your destination spots or a bucket list that you haven't hit yet that now that you have unlimited time to go to? What's it? Because I'm sure you've traveled a lot, but what's a destination spot that you haven't hit yet on your bucket list? Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> no, we, Where's the number one on the top of the uh, everywhere? That's a great question. Uh, wow. I, all I could say is do it when you're young. There you go. Go where you want to go. Try to get out, do what you're doing, what you want to do. Since we retired, we've been traveling quite a bit. My brother just bought an RV. Nice. Yeah, and, he, and, he's, and he's now, you know, just came back from South Dakota. I can't picture so, Anthony driving an RV, yeah, but I know. I know. That, I know. Right. They love it. <laughs> Uh, you know, my wife and I, we bought a little pop-up years ago, and we've been we've been traveling that. We've been camping. Wow. We've been almost all over the country. Wow. And we just came back from Dallas. We were in Dallas for, we went 5,000 miles last October. That's great. So we travel back and forth to Florida. We home, have a home in Florida, and my brother does too. He's there now. And we, you know, we try to go wherever we want to go. That's know? great. Yeah. That's the way it is. Go yeah. wherever you want to go, whenever yeah. you want. Yeah, That's we have awesome. a trip planned to Ireland next year, another one to Italy, Sicily, where our family comes from. So I'm sure we'll, you know, it'll be great to get there. So, great. yeah. Well, Tom, this has been a great interview, a great conversation. I appreciate you sharing family secrets, family, you know, tradition of passing the business from not only your parents, but down to your sons and your nephews. That's unique in the industry, as I said. And hopefully our listeners will have gained some knowledge, a little bit better appreciation of Belia Furniture who's not familiar with it. Of course, anyone who knows the Belia family has a ton of appreciation and respect for what you guys have thank done. You. So thank, thank you very, very much. much. Thank this you. This is great. I appreciate it. All thank right. You. It was great. Thank you for listening to The Entrepreneur's Journey, hosted by Michael Pelosi, president of HFM Investment Advisors, LLC. To learn more and to subscribe to the show, head on over to hfmadvisors.com. HFM Investment Advisors, LLC is a registered investment advisor. 
All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer for sale or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. All investments involve risk and are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as a recommendation appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.